I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but the last couple of days have been kind of depressing. It's just been rainy outside. And I've always felt like when I wake up in the morning and it's dark and rainy outside that that was God's sign to me that I should just go back to sleep. Uh, but it's, you know, we, we've got no, no sports to watch or any of that. So because in light of all of that, we're going to bring you some good news today and we're going to do a sermon on shame. So let's... Let's get into it. I just, I want to welcome our online audience. I don't know how many of you, if there's normal church attenders that are online watching today, we're thankful that you're joining us and that you're keeping safe. Uh, we're, we're continuing in this series that we've been in called Canyons. This this idea that we're learning to trust and to lean on God in these dark nights of the soul. Now, probably a couple months ago, uh, I, I learned a hard lesson and that is that as I get older, I should probably quit playing competitive basketball. Uh, my body is just not capable of doing the things that it used to do. And Advil has become my friend. And I, I just remember we're, we're playing basketball and we ended up playing four on five. And I just got really, really frustrated. And I grew up in a home with two older brothers. And if there was a way we could turn it into a competition, we turned it into a competition. And so there's, I'm going to be a little bit honest, I can, I can tend to be a little bit competitive from time to time, just a little bit, you know what I'm saying? And, and so I got a little bit too competitive playing basketball, and I just, I just kind of became a jerk. And I don't know that there's a, a better word for it, I just was not being a nice guy, I wasn't, I wasn't acting like my normal self. Here I am, 31 years old, playing with a bunch of uh, high school and college kids, and I'm the one that's acting like a child. So there you go. And I remember when I got in the car to drive home, I, there was just this deep sorrow um, that came over me, almost like this disgust at the way that I had been acting. It's like, really, like, man, you, you haven't been this big of an idiot in a long time. And maybe my wife might say something different than that. But uh, to me, it felt like it had been a long time. And, and, and I was feeling in that moment something that we all deal with from time to time. And that is shame. Shame is this realization of maybe a perceived mistake, maybe a failure, maybe sin in our life. This idea that maybe you don't measure up to something that you think you ought to. Maybe it's falling short of some ambition or aspiration that you have. Maybe it's a bad choice that you've made and things have turned out differently than you expected and you're shameful of the part that you played in it. But we have to understand is that shame is universal. It, it, it affects every single one of us. We all deal with shame. And it's interesting to me because I think uh, through scripture we see that in life that we all tend to deal with shame the same way. When shame first entered the world was when sin manifested itself in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. And that's where I want to turn. And if you're following along on your note sheets, we're going to go through the, the reactions, what shame causes us to do. And we're going to find these answers in Genesis 3. This scripture is not in your outline, but just listen and follow along. This is Genesis 3, 6 through 13. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate as well. 
Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So the first thing that shame does is it causes us to cover up. We cover up and we try to hide the truth. We cover up from one another. See, Adam and Eve went from being naked and unashamed to clothed and ashamed. Shame caused them to withhold the truth from each other. This idea that we would rather just sweep it under the rug than deal with it. But you guys know this. If you sweep enough under the rug, eventually the rug is going to trip you up. Let's continue reading. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? So the second thing we tend to do is we tend to hide from God. We go from walking with God and harmony in the garden of Eden to hiding in the bushes and fear. This is the same reaction that I had as a kid when I brought home my report card. I'd hand it to my parents and then I would go hide. Because sometimes it's hard to deal with our own shame. Let's continue. Have you eaten of the tree at which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Listen, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate it. And the Lord said, well, to the woman, well, well, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, listen, it's not my fault. The serpent gave it to me and I ate it. It deceived me. So the last thing we do is we blame. We make excuses. We say, oh, it's not my fault. It's, it's this woman. In fact, God, you're the one that gave me this woman, so it's your fault. And Eve's like, listen, it's not my fault. I, I didn't know this snake was lying to me. The question is, what can we do about it? Because all of these things are negative responses to shame. So what is the right way to respond? And to get that answer, I think that we've got to look to Psalms. Because in Psalms 51, David gives us an example of how to healthily respond to our shame. Because this is his, his cry. He, he's writing this as he's crying out to God, dealing with the shame that he has for sleeping with Bathsheba and then killing her husband, his friend, Uriah. Psalm 51, 11 through 12 says this. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. What David is declaring to God, what he's begging God is, listen, I need to be closer to you, not further away. Cast me not away. Restore me. Draw me near to you. And that's why we've got to learn to make shame draw us closer to God. Make shame draw you closer to God. Now, I told you I have, I have two older brothers, and my middle brother, John, he's the one that throughout my entire life, we've, we've been closer, and we've connected more. We have more in common, and I remember when we were younger, I was probably fifth or sixth grade, somewhere around there, and everybody forgot John's birthday except for me. So what I did is I went into our closet, our pantry, and I found a box of oatmeal cream pies, 
And I took every single one of them out of the wrapper, right? And I stacked them and made this little oatmeal cream pie castle. And then I went in the fridge and I got this can of, um, what's that? I don't know, what the, the whipped cream. And I just, I just hammered that thing with whipped cream. And I took it to my brother John and I sang him happy birthday. And I was like, even when everybody else forgot, I'm the good brother. I didn't forget. So you know what I do nowadays? If I forget to call John to tell him happy birthday, I remind him of that time back in the, back in the day. Say, you know, I, I'm sorry I forgot to call you, but you remember that time I made you that cake and everybody else forgot your birthday, but I didn't. And even though they were sugar-free oatmeal cream pies and it tasted terrible, that's not the point. The point is I remembered you, right? And as I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about my brother and I just like, I felt really distant from him lately. And then I kind of realized that, you know what? I'm ignoring it. I don't want to have that phone conversation with him. So I'm just not calling him. And how many of us do we do that same thing with God? Sometimes we, we have something in our life and, and maybe most of the time it's shame. We just don't feel like there, there's something out of place between us and God. But, but it's easier just to ignore it than to draw closer to him. But, but we can't live like that. We've got to learn to call out. We've got to learn to do the same thing with Jesus, to, to make that phone call, to reach out to him. Because we have an enemy who uses sin and he seeks to separate and ruin our relationship with Jesus. And we've got to learn to make shame be a reminder of, of, of drawing closer to him instead of further away. And I wonder if we did that, if we lived like that, do you think that Satan might start to think twice about tempting us? Because like, Satan, you go ahead and tempt me because even if I fail, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to use it to run to Jesus. What if we started living and started thanking our sin? Say, you know what, sin? You, you got me today, but guess what? You know what you just did? You just reminded me of how much I need Jesus. And so I'm going to use you to run to him instead of further away. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on your behalf, on their behalf. On our own, we are lost. But the nearer we move to Jesus, the closer we are to our Savior. And that's exactly what Jesus is teaching in the parable of the prodigal son. You have this son that basically he, he goes to his dad and he says, listen, dad, I, honestly, I kind of wish you were dead because I'd really like to have my inheritance so I can just go ahead and do my own thing. And so the dad's like, okay, if you want your inheritance, here it is. Go off. Do your own thing. And that's what he does. And he, he eventually gets to a point where he loses all his money. There's a famine in the land. And the only job he can get is feeding pigs. And, and, and of my estimation, he feeds the pigs for far too long. Right? He is feeding the pigs way longer than he ever has to. Far too much time suffering needlessly at the hands of shame when all he needed to do was go home. This is Luke 15, 17 through 18. So he had this moment of self-reflection and he asked himself, what am I doing here? 
And maybe there's some of us here this morning, we need to have that moment as well. That moment of self-reflection, that moment where we look at our shame and say, what? why am I stuck here? Let's continue reading. Back home, my father's hired servants, they have plenty of food. Why am I here starving to death? I'm going to get up and I'm going to return to my father. And I'll say, Father, I've, I've done wrong. Wrong against God and wrong against you. So my question for us today, my question for you today, are you suffering in shame needlessly? And why are you letting shame keep you from Jesus? Maybe what you need today more than anything else is to return to your father. Return to the father that's not just waiting for you, but he's waiting to run to you. To a father, you know the first thing the father does after he embraces his son? This blows my mind. He says, go get my boy a robe. So I don't know if you took time to think about this, but I imagine that he's returning looking a little bit different than when he left. He probably don't smell that good. He's probably covered in, in pig slop. He's dirty. He's nasty. And what his father does is he says, go get a robe and cover my, cover my son. Cover his shame. That's the God we serve. Do you understand that that's your story? Do you understand that God has a robe prepared for you? You just got to go home. And I know that that is easier said than done. And I put this statement in your outline. It just says that you, you can't change the way that shame makes you feel. But I do believe with all my heart that we can choose to change the way we respond to it. I don't think that being a Christian is about being perfect. I don't think being a Christian is about not having shame. I do think it's about how we respond to sin, how we respond to our shame. And the question is, do you find yourself hiding from your shame or using your shame to run and draw closer to the Savior? There's a song that I love that Cody Carnes sings that's been popular lately, and this is the lyrics. He says, run to the Father, fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend, so I'll run to the Father, what? Again. And again, and again. And every time shame comes back, I'm going to run to the Father again, and again. Run to the Father. Fall into grace, which leads us to our second piece that we're going to talk about today. And that is we've got to learn to cover ourselves in God's grace. Cover yourself in God's grace. Psalm 51, 1 through 2 says this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out all my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and clean me from my sin. What David is begging here for is he's begging for mercy. He says, wash my sin, cover my shame. He's asking for the grace of God. God, please don't let me be bound by my mistakes anymore. Please, God, help me to change. And at its root, isn't that what grace is? Freedom from sin that leads to death. Not to be bound by who we used to be. Not to be bound by our past. And the problem is that too often we get focused and we let our eyes focus on our past. We let our eyes focus on the shame. But when our eyes are focused on shame, we can't see our mission. 
We can't focus on loving other people because we're just focused on ourselves. How many of you today would say that in your life you've had a bad fill-in-the-blank day? Now, what I mean by that is that maybe you've had a bad hair day or a bad clothes day or a bad smell day. Like you've had one of those days where you forgot to put on deodorant and you're walking around like, who smells bad? And you're like, oh, that's me. And like, you guys understand this. Like if your hair is messed up, you're, you might be walking around talking to everybody like you're normal, but inside your head you're thinking, gosh, I look like a dork today. Like that's, that's all you're thinking about. It distracts you from, from everything else that's going on. This is what God came to cover. He came to cover your shame. So you didn't have to think about what you've done in your past, that you could focus on your future because we serve a God that is far more concerned about your future than he is about your past. Genesis 3, 21 says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. This blows my mind. Adam and Eve hid from God. They hid from the one person that had the ability and the desire to cover their shame. Look what he does. God sacrifices another one of his creation to cover their shame. This is the very first sacrifice, but it foreshadows what God's going to do. He's going to send his perfect lamb to deal with shame for good on the cross. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich for our sake, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might be rich. He gave it all so that you could have it all. My students are going to give me a hard time for this because I say this a lot. But John 21 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. There's just so much, so much really good stuff in there. And one of the pieces of John 21 is Jesus having a conversation with Peter. And Jesus is having this conversation with Peter and he keeps asking him the same question. Three times he asks him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it's interesting that he would call him Simon because Jesus is the one that actually changed his name to Peter. And what I think he's doing is is he's saying, he shows up and and the guys are fishing. The disciples who he trained are not going out and spreading the word. They're fishing. So he goes to him and says, Simon, son of John, Simon, the fisherman, what are you doing here? I've called you to be a fisher of men, not a fisher of fish. Right? What what are you doing here? And he, he asked him this question over and over again, three times, three times. Why is that important? Because it was three times that Peter denied Christ the night of his crucifixion, right? You guys remember that? You know what Jesus is trying to do here? Jesus is trying to deal with Peter's shame. He's saying, Simon, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. He says, I know you screwed up, but I got something better planned for you. You're not supposed to be Simon anymore. I've called you to be Peter. Because there's a lot of my sheep out there and they're hungry and you have what they need. You have the gospel. You have the good news. I don't care that you denied me. Don't continue to deny me by the way that you live by not feeding my sheep. I don't care about that. Do you understand that that God feels the same way about you? Whatever it is in your life that you feel shame about, God doesn't care about that. Because there's people out there that are dying, that are hungry, and we have the good news, y'all. He's saying, I want you to go and feed my sheep. 
What calling have you lost sight of because your eyes are glued to your own shame? What lies are keeping you from feeding his sheep? Don't let Satan convince you of a world that doesn't have grace. Instead, let us soak in it. Let us be covered in grace. And the best way to do that is to run to the Father, is to fall into grace, to get on our knees, to worship him. And the other thing to do is to serve people because when we serve people, we get our eyes off ourselves and onto somebody else. Last piece I want to cover today, and that is we've got to learn to admit our faults and to lean into conviction. Psalm 51, 7 and 10 says this, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, if, if you are willing to say this to God, you're saying a couple things. You're saying, one, you're admitting, God, I need you to clean my heart, so I'm admitting that my heart isn't clean, that I need him to do it. If you are saying this to God, you're admitting, there's something in my life that needs to be purged. And, and, And that's what this is all about. God, would you clean me? Would you purge me? Now, I'm not sure how many of you follow baseball, uh, I usually don't follow it that much because I'm only really get into it when Tampa Bay Devil Rays are doing good, and that's not very often. Uh, so I, I don't watch a whole lot. But if, if you listen to sports radio, uh, you couldn't have missed them talking about the Houston Astros and the, the cheating scandal that's been going on. And it, it's really interesting to me. The more I hear about it, the, the more I just get the sense that, that people aren't necessarily mad that they cheated. People are mad that they won't admit it. It's like, okay, y'all, you've been caught. Why can't, y'all, why can't you just come out and say, okay, you know, we cheated. But no, still all of them are, are acting like they did nothing wrong. None of them are taking responsibility for their actions. It seems to me that as believers... This cannot be us. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We know that. It's in Scripture. But as Christians, we have to own that. I want to read to you 1 John 1, 6 through 9. It says, If we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But it says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we then have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to be a people who live in the light, who live in God's Light, a light that covers shame, not reveals it. And I think that that's the misconception of light. We get this idea that if I'm going to walk in God's light, then everybody's going to see me for who I am and I'm going to be even more shameful. But God's light has never been about shame. It's about being a way so that we can properly be cleaned and so that God can show us the right way because you can't clean yourself in the dark. 
Notice that what it says in Scripture. It said this, this only happens if we confess. If you confess, then I am faithful to forgive. But if you hide, if you fail to take responsibility, you deceive yourself and the truth is not in you and you will not be forgiven. Forgiveness requires honesty. Admittance is only the first step, though. For creating a clean heart, it also takes listening to the conviction of God. It takes allowing God to direct our lives. I want to read to you Zephaniah 3.2. says this. She listens to no voice. She accepts no correction. She does not trust in the Lord. She does not draw near to her God. May this never be said about me. May this never be said about us. Instead, we're supposed to be people that live on the rock, on the foundation of God's word. People that just don't hear the word, but people that put the word into practice. I, I love this verse because I think that this verse gets to the root of it. Right there when it asks, she does not trust in the Lord. That's the real question is, do you trust God? And I believe that we answer that question every day by the way we choose to live. So the question is, do you trust God enough to seek what his word says? Do you trust him enough to put his word into practice, to put into practice what he commands? Do you trust him enough to understand that his commands are not about authority, but about love? That it's not about telling us what to do, but it's about giving us life. The question is, do we trust God's love for us? I'm going to ask Rachel if she'd come up. She's going to lead us in a song. And I hope this morning you feel free to respond the way that you need to. The altars are open. You're welcome to pray where you are. But I just wonder today how many of us are dealing with shame Shame about something that we've done, something that we've been a part of. And and maybe that's not you today, but can I tell you, there's some of us that we've dealt with shame in the past. And maybe it's not today. And I can guarantee you that all of us, as long as we keep living, we're going to deal with shame in the future. So my question for you today is, is are you going to let shame push you away from God? Because today you have an opportunity to respond to God. You have an opportunity to draw closer to God. To say, listen, I know I screwed up, but God, I need you. Would you come near to me? Today, you have an opportunity to soak yourself in the grace of God, in the presence of a God who gets you a robe to cover you so that you can be used by him. And today, I I just hope that maybe some of you just need maybe at the altar or or at your seats, you just need to admit to God and admit to yourself that there's some junk in your life that just needs to be dealt with. And say, God, I need your guidance. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this place. Thank you for our opportunity to gather, Lord. I hope we don't miss out on an opportunity to draw closer to you, an opportunity to experience your grace. 
an opportunity to experience your conviction, that you would show us a better way. And Lord, as we leave this place, I pray that we not just be a people who are blessed. I pray that we be a blessing. Lord, I know that uh, we're going to need a lot of your grace. Lord, and we're going to need eyes to see the opportunities that we're going to have throughout these next few weeks and this next couple months of ways in which we can be the church to a hurting world, to a world that's in fear. They're in fear because they don't know who holds tomorrow, but we do. So Lord, help us to be your hands and your feet. Give us courage to be people for you. We love you. We praise you. In your holy name, amen.